I'm Carrie Hansel, founder and lead practitioner at Atriba Holistic Health, and you are listening to Find Your Inner Hoot, a pocket guide to understanding and overcoming the limitations you face in everyday life. I'll be sharing practical tools, raw and honest real-life encounters, delivered with a dash of humor and a whole lot of love, to remind you that no matter where you are or who you are, you're not alone, and we're all in this crazy life together, and to ignite that inner hoot in you. Thank you for listening to Find Your Inner Hoot. I am your host, Connor Davison, and I am with Carrie, co-host and owner of business, A Triber. Now, Carrie, I want to learn a little bit more about Find Your Inner Hoot. So, what is it? Tell me more. (laughs) Thank you, Connor. Find Your Inner Hoot is a podcast idea to really reach people, to relate to them with events that they've got going on in their lives, their own personal struggles, and not only relate to them to give them practical tools and tips and guidance, but also to bring an element of humour. So that's certainly not to laugh at or belittle anybody else's experiences. It's to bring light so we can reach out to people so they know they're not alone, that there is help out there and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's so important. I mean, if you're going to have an element of fear or anything, I always find that humor is the best thing to go with it because some people mask a lot of pain and fear. I mean, in humor, excuse me. And it can be detrimental, but you also need that element of humor because that's what carries me through on a day-to-day basis. Certainly. So find your inner hoot actually comes from inspiration of when I was traveling in, I think it was around 2010 in New Zealand. And we were at some hot springs and it's a really simple story, but it's actually had a profound effect on me 10 years later. You know, it's influencing this podcast and something that I've been saying for a really long time of, you know, pushing it on people that I'm a hoot and things are a hoot. So, yeah, back in New Zealand, we met this lady and she was in the female changing rooms and she had picked up her husband's shower bag instead of her own and on opening that she discovered that she had men's shower gel like links or something like that and she at first was asking oh do you have any any other shower gel and we didn't you know fortunately we'd we just ran out of our shower gel and she uh, used it anyway and she came out of the shower and she had this huge smile on her face and she was like you know it was a real hoot using men's shower gel it was so exciting you know really what new experience <laughs> yeah and she just had this beaming smile and she was a hoot i was just like i'm going to use that like she's just the epitome of joy over you know, a small problem and she's just really come out of making it a a huge experience and sharing it with strangers. So that's how it was born. Yeah, perfect. Because sometimes you can get really swept up in the little things and make that such a big thing. Like I could picture my, I don't want to say a certain family member, but I can picture a certain family member having to use men's body and body wash and ruin their day and that's it, (laughs) like it's done. So the fact that you garnered, find you're in a hoot from a, a older woman that wanted to wash herself with men's <laughs> but this is what it's all about that's that's it <laughs> cleaning so. cleaning your body cleaning your soul with men's body wash this is what the podcast is for <laughs> the hidden metaphor <laughs> the hidden there message. is yeah. um, buy links no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is an advertisement <laughs> yeah. no the, uh, the hidden message there is when things don't go your way when mm. there's challenges adversities no matter how small how big how can you reframe it How can you find the joy, the lessons? So that's where the humor elements come in. We're going to be talking about the things that people have been through, the things that 
Um, I coach on the things I've been through personally and how we can turn those challenges into our greatest strength and create a life that can allow us to thrive. It's really well said. And I think um, just for the listener as well, my motivation as host is being a um, client of yours and you coached me and it was sort of a symbiotic thing where we both thought this is the next step we want to do. I moved out of being coached by you because I felt like, geez, that, that helped me so much. Like on my day-to-day um, with my career, my love life, things that I didn't even know existed were issues became issues because you put them to the forefront and I had to accept it. Uh, and that was scary. That's fear for me, uh, admitting there's things that are wrong that I didn't even know what was wrong. It's crazy for me. Um, and I have you to thank for that. And I have had, like, how long were we together in a coaching realm? Probably three, four months. months. Yeah. yeah. And I completely have changed. Like, all my blocks are gone, I feel like anyway. I just feel better. I feel lighter, which I guess at the end of the day is what you want. Um, and I fear nothing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you've actually hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to come Disclaimer back to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in all honesty, like that's that's why I did it and that's why I'm so excited to actually put this out there to people that want to listen to something that will help them in the future. Well, this is therapy in your pocket, really. It's one of the things as humans that we face so much, it's fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of not enough money, fear of not achieving, you know, just insert your own block there with regards to fear. So knowing how to coach that by teaching people such as yourself from a neuroscience perspective. So really looking at the facets of the brain, how we form neuropathways, how that dictates our chemical production in the body, how that then dictates how we feel emotionally, our emotions dictate our actions, our actions dictate the results we see in our lives. And the more often we do it, that's when we form habits. Mm. So it's really looking at that body wisdom from a neuroscience perspective to really teach people the tools because we often know more about our iPhones than we do the nine systems of the body, about the different facets of the brain. So I'd really like this to be a tool for your everyday person, just like me, just like you, to be able to understand themselves better totally and to navigate through their blocks how would you how would you describe what fear is then like does fear come from something in your childhood that affects you later in life in your adulthood or is it can you be more scared now than you were in the past how does fear sort of play a role in people's lives they're not aware of Mm, interesting question so fear is a natural response of the human body Fear is actually a good thing. Fear is a protection method Mm. and fear comes from our reptilian brain, which is our logic mind on the left side of the brain hemisphere, which is responsible for around 19% of our thinking capacity. So the problem is with that, that we are spending 100% of our time or at least 80% of our time in that logic brain, in that fear space where we don't need to be. That's a primal part of the brain. It's called the reptilian brain for a reason. So when we were hunting and, you know, had to watch out for tigers and things like that, really useful. Like you said tigers. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, I just I just I said any animal, but tigers. That's it, tigers. We'll get into that later. I didn't wouldn't have the same effect if I said, you know, like wombats or rabbits. You, <laughs> you know. would have for me. I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be scared. <laughs> so Yes, it's um, 
it's coming back to that part of the brain, which used to be really useful from a primal perspective. But now we're having the same fear response when we miss an episode of Love Island, when we drop our phone on the <laughs> Again, floor. Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, yeah. these are things that are triggering that fear response in our brain. And it's producing mass cortisol stress hormones in the body. So to come back to your question, that's really the mechanisms of fear. Fear produces itself in so many different forms. Um, we make fear the enemy. So we really want to see fear as a scared child rather than a giant monster. Mm. If we see it as a scared child, then we can see that there's reason behind that fear. So often as adults, young adults, even children, fear is bred from unknown or from thinking that we uh, are not matching up to a certain standard. So it's not feeling good enough, um, which leads to a fear of rejection, a fear of failure, um, a fear of being seen, a fear of being heard from a safety perspective. So fear really covers a lot of ground. It's, you know, it's hard to put it into one box of a definition there. Yeah. But what we do know is that we all feel it in all different facets. Some people have a lot of fear in relationships. Some people don't. Some people have a lot of fear in public speaking. Some people can go on a stage and talk to thousands of people, but they have a fear of you know, not making enough money or you know, not being good enough in the eyes of their parents or whatever that might be. So fear manifests in such a broad scale. Mm. But coming back to the, the mechanisms of fear, when we understand the human body, when we understand the... Uh, the mind, the facets of the mind, that's when we're able to coach so you can meet your fear as if it is a scared child rather than letting your fear drive you and dictate to you. Interesting. And is there like, a, is there a common trait in fear? Like, is there, because you mentioned a few examples being like, you know, I'm, I can speak in front of thousands of people, but I can't commit to a relationship or I'm fearful of money or making money or all those things. Is there a common line within that realm of fear that is for everyone or is it different case by case? I'd say on the surface it's different case by case but when we come back to the fundamentals of any human we have a desire to be loved, we have a desire to be heard, to be seen and to connect. Mm. So if we're not meeting those values then that is a breeding ground for fear so then you, you might see uh, similar manifestations through that space. Yeah, sure. Okay. So... I remember when I'm pretty open, like I want to be open in this podcast because I went through the sessions with you. We covered everything, you know, like mm. like I mentioned before, things I didn't know I would be exposed to. But fear, um, there was a few things that I was scared of that I wasn't aware. Um, committing to a relationship was a big one for me. Mm. That fear probably carried through um, for five years plus. Yep. Is there something there that you can share with people that, you know, for me, I am in a relationship and I'm very happy, mm. which is, that's, that's like, great. <laughs> can I swear on this podcast? I can't, we haven't sure. found that out yet. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> like for me, that's wild. And um, you helped me with that. But I would constantly put people at arm's length. Mm. Like I wouldn't let them in. Um, and we discovered that was a fear derived from all the way back to my childhood that carried yeah. through. How does that look for most people? People that are having problems with relationships like that. I think that's a really valid topic because that's the fundamentals of humans. We want to connect. So that's, a you know, relationships are a byproduct of that. And in relationships, you often find there's different attachment styles. So for somebody that's pushing somebody away, 
then you really are um, avoidant. You don't want to let people in your personal space too much. You don't want to give up your freedom. Um, whatever that may be, you, you sabotage, you push love away. The other attachment style that you will see in relationship is anxious. So that's where you're needy, you're grasping, you're mm. needing that validation, you're needing your partner to, you know, really prove themselves and so you feel really safe yes what's similar about those two even though they look polar opposite in the behaviors is safety so both both demonstrations of those actions is wanting to feel safe and you're right it comes from childhood so if you think about the first time that you experience love it's from a caregiver so a parent or whoever that guardian is and unfortunately, not all the time we get what we need from from our caregivers. They often are doing the best that they can, but they are conditioned from their childhoods. Not always were they taught how to show love, how to give love. So love can be sometimes conditional in our childhood. So for a child whose brain is in the hypnosis state until around age seven, so it just means the brain has not fully formed their brain waves are slower they're absorbing things um, which is why children learn so rapidly at school and things like that they are making their view of the world they're deciding who they are they are deciding what things mean so when they are having their first experience of love if it's conditional of you know be quiet be good um, be tidy don't do that or you get a lot of praise when you do something right and you get pushed aside if you if you are being too disruptive. Doesn't mean to say that you don't, you know, for parents out there, you don't assert boundaries, but it's really letting that child know that even though they haven't done maybe the right thing then, they're still loved unconditionally. And that's mm. the part that we kind of miss. Our parents think they're doing a good job by disciplining us and and that child then decides, oh, it's not safe to be myself. I have to give something. I have to do something. I have to be something yep. to receive or give love. So that really determines our attachment styles. It can also be the same if, um, let's say, you are the only boy and you've got sisters as siblings and maybe your mum kind of, you know, mollycoddles you I think the word is where just a lot of a fuss and a lot of attention um, and maybe that's too overwhelming for you so you push away you don't want nurture you don't want love and things like that so you then become avoidant in your relationships so to really solve that it's about meeting those parts of yourself just like we did in your sessions it the body is more than willing to give you information on what's going on so if we can really quiet that logic mind that chatter which everybody probably has you know that to-do list running in the back um that negative self-talk that need to be doing something all the time if we can just quiet that down just for a really short amount of time the sessions only run for an hour as you know so mm. 20 minutes of that if we can quiet that part of the mind the body is really willing to expose where we are holding emotion where we are holding trauma so then we are able to respond and listen. You know, the body's not got a little voice and talking about it, but we're able to Mine translate does. that. I thought so, yours might be. Yeah, kinda. it does. <laughs> Very uh, <laughs> comical, yours. Yes, it's a real jerk. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we're able to just tap into that voice, uh, that inner body wisdom to meet parts of us. You know, if we 
this is going off on a tangent, but if you think about Einstein, Tesla, people like that, that were really ahead of their time in science, that stated that time isn't linear, everything is connected. Um, and from a, a physics point of view, talking about our cellular memory. So if time isn't linear, then your experiences are existing within your body. And when we talk about cellular memory, it's almost like the body is like a human filing cabinet. So everything that you've ever experienced, everything that you've ever heard, everything that you've ever said, ever done is in your cells. And we know that because if I asked you to think of a song from 2001, you know, if you think about the time of, for me, that was like Ashanti, Ja Rule, J-Lo, that was like the <laughs> heyday of going out. Don't even get me started. <laughs> so for me, that brings up... Emo um, kid. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> brings up just living my best life in a, in a club called Corner House when I was younger. And that's a... A demonstration of cellular memory you know you just play that song and you're right back at that memory where you were out with your best friends and you were doing whatever um same with smells and things like that so you might smell a perfume um a sun lotion uh, aftershave and it can take you right back to a memory way back totally yes so this That's is so interesting you say that because i actually put songs to people okay you don't have a song yet Okay. You'll get a song. Ooh, we'll see you'll how get, this podcast you'll get, goes. Yeah, you'll, you'll get, yeah. It's like Slipknot. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure it's going to be like Mary Poppins yeah, or something yeah. like that. Nope, it's hardcore heavy metal. <laughs> um, yeah. But everyone's got a song. And I, even when I hear a certain song, I think about my ex-girlfriend when I was 18. There you go. Just cellular like memory. That, like that. Um, and it's that's crazy. And I, I hear a song, I always think of my mum. Mm. But that's been ever since I was little so that is such a true point yeah interesting so that's body wisdom so through the sessions it's combining the age-old wisdom of the body you know cultures were really aware of how the body the energy centers of the body provided information they had rituals they had routines it's got lost in our busy society in order for us to understand that in this day and age we back it with science so that's why this work works rapidly because we're using the wisdom of the body, we're using the science, you're using your own intuition. So intuition is something else that every human has the ability to use. Interestingly enough, side note, intuition is often born out of fear. So when you are younger, so if you're living in fear, and that doesn't mean that you live in a really destructive home, it just might mean that, you know, your parents uh working all the time they're emotionally unavailable or they're absent so therefore you're alert remember you're a child so you view the world very differently as a child to an adult so you are then conscious of your surroundings and your senses are heightened and basically you're reading situations you're uh, interpreting people's behaviors and that is basically intuition that's what we do when we're older when when we talk about being intuitive so I really use that skill that I've, you know, I've had for a really long time and nurtured in myself when working with clients to help them tap into their intuition by using my intuition to really read that body wisdom. I love it. Maybe this is a bit of a side note too, but when I started sessions with you, I was nervous because I didn't know what to expect. So that's a, a fear. That's obvious because I, well, what's happening? Am I going to like beat bongo drums all session for an hour. <laughs> Am I going to talk to you about my feelings? Like it's, it was very well done how you do it. It wasn't like a stereotypical session. Mm. Um, but 
with that said, when I sat down and you very calm, you have a calm demeanor, you calm me. I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday, and that was months ago. Um, I felt a lot of fear mm. because I was like, she's going to get all that out of me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she's going to get all those, all those demons out. Like she's mm. going to do it. I could feel it. I didn't know what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. Um, but in my body, I felt like that you're going to do stuff and it's going to work. I just, but I was very reluctant. I remember being quite, um, I don't know what the word would be, but I wasn't giving my full openness to you. Of course, because when we have fear in the body, we want to put walls up. We don't want to acknowledge that fear because it's uncomfortable and we don't like feeling uncomfortable as humans. There's probably a whole other podcast topic, but that's where we don't feel our emotions. We numb our emotions. We keep busy. We drink. We smoke. We numb with caffeine, podcast, sex, whatever. Um but coming back to your question, of course, you're going to have walls up because it's vulnerable. It's all of this was born from your experiences of not feeling safe, not feeling good enough. Of course, you don't just want to walk into somewhere and just lay that out on the table because mm. that's the whole purpose of fear. It's keeping you safe. But when we are unconscious to our fear, that's when it actually keeps us safe, but it keeps out all the good stuff as well. So you're just really in this void, just kind of nothing really changes in your life. Um, your relationships play out the same patterns. You know, you hit a glass ceiling with your finances. You can't get further yes. because fear has built a wall. Yes, you're very safe in there. You're comfortable, but then you don't get any of the good stuff either. So these sessions are really just gently bringing those fear walls down so you feel safe to be in your empowered adult so we'll talk a little bit more about that as well but I feel that we should bring this back to to where we started with the relationships because I think that's really valid for people you know it's and it's so common everyone wants to know how there's a, I, probably half my friend group um if they're in a relationship they don't know what they're doing if they're out of one they're scared to be in one it's so common so yep. yeah it's definitely worth bringing up so fear in relationships, we've, we've got a fear of being seen. We've, we've got a fear of being rejected. We've got a fear of being judged. Um, and this is where these walls come up. So if that is anybody listening that's going, yep, I'm a self-sabotager of relationships. Or, yep, I really want a relationship, but I'm too scared to put myself out there. Or it might be that you feel that you are dating the same person with a different face over and over and over again. So the same patterns and uh, you only, again, you hit a glass ceiling with your relationships. They, you know, maybe things are going great in the first month or so, two months, but then one party pulls away. That's also a really common symptom of fear. Yes. What I would suggest, knowing that I come from a place when I do coach and give advice, I've been there, you know, I was in relationships where I was dating the same person with a different face for a really long time because that was born out of my fear. It was born out of my low self-esteem of not feeling good enough, but never wanting anybody to know that about me, wearing a really strong mask, wanting to come across as strong and having my shit together but really fear just festering under the surface and it really manifesting in my relationships because when we feel fear and we don't feel safe, we can also want to be rescued. Yeah. So many of us feel that once we have a relationship, everything in our lives will just fall into place. You know, we see that through rose-tinted glasses, but then when we're in it, we realize, ah, okay, so the, the, the pain that I was feeling, the loneliness and all of that stuff previous, it's still here once the honeymoon period has wore off. So if that is anybody listening, 
great that you've realized it in yourself because awareness is the first step to healing. And then it's about empowering yourself. So viewing that fear as a scared child instead of this huge monster that you just don't want to look at, you know, it's too much to to just to give time to, you're too busy, whatever, too painful. Just taking one step at a time and thinking about your experiences as a child. So thinking about um, your first experience of love. And when we delve into this, it's really important that we don't go into it with anger or judgment of going, oh, well, it's my mum's fault because she did this or it's my dad's fault because I didn't get that. Yeah, That's not going to be productive. And odds are your parents did the best with what they had. They probably didn't get what they needed. So blame and guilt and shame and anger, they're really not going to get you the things that you want. They're not going to create abundance and happiness in your life and in your relationships. So first of all, just awareness. What was my first experience like with love? Was there somebody that I was chasing love from? So one parent more than the other, you know, was it my dad that I really wanted the validation from? Was it my mum? Whose opinion mattered the most to you? This will give you an idea of how you perform in relationships now. Are you looking for the love of your mother or your father in your partner? Are you looking for validation in them? And that can be really hard to identify because immediately we want to go oh no disgusting like of course I'm not looking for my parents in my relationships there's no sexual connotation to that it's very subconscious so that's our our inner child our wounded child which which we'll maybe talk about next so this makes sense um so once you've recognized that in yourself it's then uh finding a way so either working with a coach doing some journaling doing some meditation to meet that part of you so like we said everything is connected we've got our cellular memory we can access those memories of us so a practical tip get a picture of yourself as a child and talk to that what if you were really like i personally was quite chubby yep i'm not even trying to be funny (laughs) i didn't like the way i looked as a child yeah I don't mind now, mm-hmm. but back when we're doing our sessions, I said to myself, um, I didn't feel confident. That's a whole other issue, I imagine. Yeah. But is is that a valid point to raise? But- so do you mean that when you look at the picture, you're going to be looking at it from a negative space yes, of going, exactly. oh, you know, I look disgusting, I'm fat or whatever? It, exactly. Okay. So let's. that's a really valid point. Thank, thank you for bringing that up. After you have done that um, discovery of, you know, just just a bit of a curiosity about your first experience of love, the second thing that you can do is write down all the limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, all your negative self-talk. So for you, Connor, with regards to that image <laughs> of yourself. Like, for you, Connor, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> How just could I say that? About yeah, these, <laughs> you're an amazing human. <laughs> So going back to your example around the picture, yeah, your negative self-talk at one point was obviously, I'm fat, I'm overweight. That might lead to, I can't lose weight. So listing all of your negative self-talks, I'm going to give a couple of examples there. So certainly some in my life have been, I'm not good enough, I need to lose weight, I'm not smart enough, I want to have straighter teeth, I need to be taller, I want to have longer hair. I'm never going to meet anybody. So list all of your negative self-talk and negative beliefs. And again, without judgment, without attaching a story to it, just write that list. 
and then take the picture. And as you look at the picture, see what comes up for you. All emotions are valid. So I'm not asking you to feel a certain way when you don't feel it. That's mm. not helpful. So if you pick up your picture and you think, oh God, like I was fat, I was ugly, I was this, I was that. Okay. And then pick up that negative list and try reading it to that child. And then ask yourself, would I say this to a 12-year-old? Would I say this to a 16-year-old that I know is a good person, that I know was in a lot of pain, that I know was really struggling? Odds are you wouldn't do that to somebody else, so don't do it to yourself. You know, that's that's the first step to breaking our negative self-talk, our beliefs that we have about ourselves. That's a really valid point. And if I can ask you, because I think a part of the podcast like I want to get across is, you know, obviously my journey I had with you, but also your own journey. I mean, the irony of this whole podcast is that we'll be talking about you in in, in and out, not the whole time, but also you had a fear or I feel like you're overcoming it right now about speaking mm. and public speaking because you're going to have to do it if you want to do a podcast. If you want to expand your business, you're going to have to talk in front of people. Like that's just comes with the territory. Um, may I ask where that was derived from? How did that come about? You can. Um, and, you know, for the people listening who didn't get to see the uh, fun and games <laughs> that were going on as we were setting yeah. up this podcast, um, I'm very comfortable in front of Connor. And as soon as he handed me the mic, absolutely choked. So that is a, an old neuropathway of fear that's still present in my body. So it's really important that we address these things within ourselves and practicing what I preach. I work with my own coaches. I'm always studying. I'm always questioning my own actions and my own triggers because I'm human just like everybody else. Just because I'm teaching this and coaching this doesn't mean that I'm still not going through my own struggles and my own vulnerabilities. Just means I'm, you know, I'm empowering myself to take action and really using that as a platform as to, to help other people. Yep. So, yeah, going on my own journey of self-discovery, uh, really beginning at the earlier stages of not feeling good enough. I think that is something that really plagues a lot of people and not necessarily having, you know, I haven't had a terrible upbringing and things like that, but I think the teenage years are very difficult. I remember having low self-esteem at school and being fear of judgment, fear of being seen. Especially talking at school because if you have that already existing fear in something and you have to get in front of the class and talk, you're probably going to choke, you know, in a sense. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So, uh, yeah, there's there's lots there um, and I'm excited to share more of that as we go through the podcast of getting into the raw story of where that fear was born within me mm. um, and I'm sure that will come as we go along here but just with a reference uh, on, on time of just adding that value as we go back into that relationship space of just being mindful of where fear is and being honest with yourself. That's another tool that you can use of just really checking in, of going, don't lie to yourself. You have to be really sick of your own bullshit before you make drastic changes. I like that, yeah. You know, That's it's, true. It, by... Um, pretending that everything's okay or by blaming everybody else so that certainly happened for me you know was it the last 12 guys that I dated over the years or was it me 
I was mm. the common denominator there. I could keep blaming them. And I was bitter about some of those uh, relationships of going, you know, they were emotionally unavailable. They should have done this. They shouldn't have treated me like that. We've talked about the wounded child. We also have the archetype of the victim within us as well. So that's that part of us that is a victim of going, I would never have done that to them. They shouldn't have done that to me. I'm never supported. I need this. That part of us comes out usually when we're arguing or when we're in pain. So that's another part of the human body that we need to address. You know, it's part of our psyche. Totally. When I had my relationships in the past, I tried not to be too much of a victim. I think it's natural that people at one point or another do play that hand a little bit. Of course, yeah. In my past with my relationships, I just feel like I, how do I say it? Like I, I feel like I read the situation well, but I took it personally. And that was something I had to really overcome. Like I made effort to get hurt. Like, mm. and I don't know how I'm describing this well, but like if if I if someone said something or broke up with me or something like that, then it was more, you know, I just take that. What's wrong with me? Like, yeah. what's wrong with me? Like, why why did they do that? Like, what do I have to improve to do that? And that's living in fear because there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Not to take it personally is such a big skill. I've been broken up with, and I've broken up with people. They're both just as hard as each other. Mm. And when I broke up with those people, I didn't think it was anything personal against them. My feelings weren't the same. Mm. It's, but when I was broken up with younger, especially younger, a teenager, I was like, I am so insecure. I'm not good enough. I haven't got this anymore. Like yeah. something's wrong with me. What is it? Um, and no doubt that carried through to other fears and manifested into ugly things where mm. I could have cut it off and not been so self-consumed with I'm taking it so personally yeah yeah and that is also uh, coming back to that being a child so love is being withdrawn from you as an adult or whether you are withdrawing it but that's something that we get addicted to as well with the serotonin hits the dopamine the pheromones they naturally occur when we're intimate when we're close with somebody it's almost like weaning off crack sometimes coming off relationships because it's that hormonal hit yeah And when that love, especially when somebody breaks up with you, when that love is withdrawn, it's almost that inner child that where that uh, idea of love was born for them of going, I have to do something for love. It's been took away. I'm not doing enough. I've got to be more. I've got to do more. What is it that I need to do? I'm obviously not good enough as I am. Mm. That's what creates insecurity. And that's what manifests in, you know, it can be repeat. You know, people can do this throughout their whole life if they're not aware of it yes and like you said it just makes you feel worse because if you think that you're not good enough then who has the right to decide that we give our power away so easily another human being that yes you like but you then you're putting all the power in their hands to dictate whether you are a good human or not it's really detrimental and i think one of the things in relationships you taught me was you know it's kind of like acts of service like i in past relationships would go above and beyond, you know, be that romantic type, mm. maybe do extra and they're not doing enough. And that imbalance, it kind of makes me lose that masculine energy a little bit and they feel like, you know, he's a little bit needy. Mm. That kind of plays. And your insecurities flare up, which affects you being fearful of other things like getting enough money, getting that job, getting whatever it is. Yep. Um, if I just chilled out <laughs> early on and was like, I am dope, I've got this, I'm fine. Yep. Um, it's not so much what I'm doing. And if you don't work it out with that person, then you're not meant to be of that person. 
That's it. And the the point there that you made about the masculine and the feminine, am I being masculine enough? I think that's a big thing for guys. Huge. That's really affecting mental health, especially recently, stats of men's mental health going up, suicide rates and all of those kind of things. Because there's that pressure, again, the root cause, fear. Fear of not being manly enough, fear of not having status, earning enough money. It's really important that we learn that it's okay to be masculine and to be feminine. It's actually really healthy. So balance is really healthy. You know, it's as if we ate oranges every single day for every single meal, then we'd still be unhealthy because it's imbalanced. We're not getting the nutrients that we need, even Mm. though oranges are healthy. So yes, if you're a man, it's healthy to be masculine, but not all the time. It's also healthy to be feminine as well. And the same for women. It's healthy for a balance. So when we look at the masculine and feminine traits there, we demonstrate them in, in many different ways. And unfortunately society is depicting that for us of how we should act you know disney doesn't do us any favors whatsoever yeah um but the masculine traits are shooting for a target and hitting it so goal setting humbleness being strong in who you are where the feminine traits are playful creative loving feeling emotions all of those things are necessary for one human to live a healthy lifestyle and a totally. healthy mindset yeah And also important in relationships as well. So having that awareness, a really great book for that is The Way of the Superior Man. I recommend that to so many clients. Yeah, and I've read it and it honestly changed me. My girlfriend even read it. Uh, So it's not just for men. No, not at all. Although she did catch me out on a couple of things on the plane when she was reading it. (laughs) I do have (laughs) I mean, I I have to say this one. There was a part of the book that, you know, it's actually a common thing like – you hear a lot of boyfriends, they'll criticize a lot of their partner like, oh, you don't go to the gym enough or there's something wrong with them, something wrong they don't like. They say it in a negative connotation where the book says, and I agree with this, but I wasn't using the book in the plane or out before. (laughs) It's actually highlighting their positive features because if you do that, they're going to work on it. I don't know if this is TMI. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. I'm going for it. So my girlfriend's got a great ass. Great ass. (laughs) Yeah, it's out there now. Top three. I say it to her every day. It's not because I want her to work on it because she's got, she's got a great ass. I just like highlighting a physical feature that I'm attracted to and she's she's back in heat. Like, okay. And is so, she okay about that So this, this is how I went in the plane. She's reading the book and then I got like a swift elbow to the arm. I was like, oof, like, wait, what? She goes, she like got my hand and pointed my own finger to the line. Like, Do you do this on purpose? <laughs> and I was like, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> But like in my head, because she goes, it worked. Like I go to the gym more. I work on my butt more. But is it for because of me? She goes, no, no it's not because of you. It just made me feel good mm. and I just go for it. Like it, I feel like the negative criticism will result in negative results. But I highlighted just a feature randomly and yeah. she wanted to be better, be healthier, eat more. Like it's great. That was, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Everyone wins in that situation in my eyes. I think so. And I think it's all about intention. If you are going in intentionally to thinking, oh, God, she needs to have a better ass. <laughs> so we're going with this conversation. Um, yeah, we can talk about us. If, That's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure she's fine about it. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. Um, if that was, if it was from a negative <laughs> space of going, I want her to be better, she needs to be different, then that's your issue. If you can't accept her for who she is and you need to move away from that relationship or yeah. you need to have a conversation with her 
in a way that's supportive and not destructive. But you weren't doing that. You were aware of your intention and it was it was making her feel good. You knew the psychology behind it, that the more that you praise something, then the more <laughs> that did. she's going to do it, well, which we're all aware of, right? You know, you praise a child for as working as a, a teacher for seven years. Children would not pack up the stuff at the end of the day. And I didn't want to do it. I used to hate packing up the blocks. I'm like, I'm not doing it. So... You, you so you see throw a tantrum a child. on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you it. You start crying. <laughs> You're like, all right, shit, I'll pick it up. So what I would do is I would use that same intention. You would see one child that maybe picked up three blocks and you'd just be like, oh, look at Oscar picking up all of those blocks. Like he's doing such a good job. And the other children <laughs> yeah. are like, ah, oh, he's I getting praise. I want to pick up blocks. And yeah. before you know it, you've got a tidy classroom. Isn't so. that funny? But that's such a primitive example, right, of mm. something so literally childish. But it actually transcends to being an adult. Totally, what you just said. We're still children in human bodies. Totally. <laughs> it's so true. I um, This is a bit of an abstract story. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of days, I've been very lethargic, rooted out of fear, like in my job. Mm-hmm. So the job part of it, I actually really like my job. It's a new job. But I just hit a wave, and it's going to sound really odd. I My role model growing up was Kobe Bryant. Like oh, wow. it was a huge, timely. yeah, very timely because he passed away, uh, freak accident. And Kobe, I mean, everyone knows who Kobe Bryant is. And mm. I think for me, it doesn't sound right saying this, but he's honestly the last person I'd expect to die because mm. he's just a walking superhero to me. Like he just was strong, handsome, successful, had a great family, was an icon in the sporting realm. He knew four languages. He traveled the world. He, everyone he touched loved him. Mm. Um, and I was having a rough day and it got rougher because I heard the news. And I was just like, I didn't expect it because I've seen and heard of celebrities dying in the past. I'm like, that's a real shame. It's a horrible thing to happen. But with Kobe, it like hit home. Mm. It was strange. Like it just hit me really deep. And my roommate is also a big basketball fan. And we were just not ourselves that whole day. The next day, I kind of got over it. It's only been the last two days, but I had this fear I was dealing with the last few days. And after the news, just because of who he was, he just was such a high achiever. He did everything because he worked so hard. He had the black mamba mentality, which is like what he taught professional athletes how to thrive more. Mm. Um, And I literally picked up the phone and fought through fear the whole day. Mm. And that it was bizarre, but it like actually motivated me being like, I'm it's going to sound ridiculous, but I'm, I'm doing it for Kobe. Like if he if he can do that, I'm going to up my game, my own personal game just yeah, for that. Okay. Um, which what I, was the fear piece in there for you? Um, a part of my job I just don't want to do. Okay. I don't think I want to do it. Mm. I did it and I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to smash it out and see how I feel. And I felt a lot better for it. Mm. It's a microcosm of like fear and a bigger, you know, like there's huge fears out there, like fear of losing or fear of, you know, hurting yourself or like emotionally or whatever. But this was like a microcosm of every fear that I had in a day. Oh, wow. And then just having that happen to someone, uh, that was a huge role model to me that I didn't really realize. Mm. But, geez, like it hit me hard. Like that was tough hearing that. That's just so tragic. Well, I think when things like that happen, when tragedies do happen, they are a catalyst for breaking through fears tragedy is often a catalyst for change whether that's in the form of death illness whatever that might be you often see it puts things in perspective for people so although terrible events it does show you how you can 
start to push through your fears, you just need a motivator, whether that's inspiration, whether that's timely reminder of life being short or whatever that is. So having your awareness and I think knowing what triggers you, what motivates you, that's also really helpful to overcoming your own fears. So if it's fear that's coming up of procrastination is a form of fear. Totally, very common for people. Yeah, that's really sabotaging habit of procrastinating, not getting things done, not getting through your to-do list. Again, born from fear. So know your motivators. If you are experiencing fear, then think about, okay, well, I know that I respond well to praise, I respond well to inspiration, I respond well to reward, whatever that is, that's also going to help you manage any blocks that you're facing with fear. So, Kerry, I think we've talked about fear um, in a broad sense and with the different sort of examples you can give in different types of fear, but for a summary point, for the listener, what are some things that like, they can take away for them when they're listening to this podcast? First of all, just knowing that fear is always going to be present. It is a mechanism of the human body. So don't wait for fear to disappear or for you to overcome it before you start taking action. That that old saying of feel the fear and do it anyway, super relevant. And just those tools there for identifying fear, just have an awareness, have a curiosity. Where is fear holding me back in life? And addressing what that looks like for you in the form of negative self-talk. We've talked about those tools that you can use to just really meet that inner child, which is where fear is born. And start to look at it, start to let it out of its box, start to see it as that uh, scared child rather than that big monster. And watch your life change, whether you need to do that through a coach um, or a therapist or you know there's lots of things on YouTube the, the internet has a wealth of knowledge just start getting curious about your fear because once you start overcoming your fear your whole life will open up for you very well said and I think I want the listener to get used to this as well so to end any podcast we love music we, we love that love we love music, music. I, I think I you know I play music but music's been a big part of my life. And actually through our therapy a little bit, I always would listen to like something like Triumphant after my session mm-hmm. with you. Just be like, fuck yeah, I did that. <laughs> That's how I would feel. Um, music's important to you. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea that you've come up with hashtag giving me life. Hashtag giving me Why life. Why don't you give a bit of a rundown on hashtag giving me life and then we can do that. That's the last time I'll bring it up and we're going to end it with a hashtag giving me life. Perfect. Yep, music does give me life through bouts of depression, anxiety, really dark thoughts, really dark times in my life. A tool for me has always been music, really changes my state. Um, I'm a big fan of old school R&B. I'm a big fan of house music. I love dancing. I love singing. I just find that music moves people. You know, it really activates one of our amazing senses of being a human. You know, the fact that we can hear things and our body just responds automatically. We start just wiggling around, which we're calling dancing. I think Mm. that's amazing. So I think really incorporating into Find Your Inner Hoot, we're talking about making lightness of dark times and giving practical tools. What better way to end than with an experience of music and something that can give you life and we're just going to hashtag give me life and throw a song out there, turn it up and get dancing. It's a song that we'll end the podcast with that you can listen to be like, that's that song's good. Yeah. 
Gives you life. Giving Hashtag you life. giving me life. Dance in the kitchen, dance in your car, wherever you're listening. Therapy in your pocket. Whatever I want. <laughs> Such a rebel. Um, Didn't choose the thug life, did you, Connor? So I just chose me. <laughs> chose me. You know. <laughs> I am the I'm the whitest person. Ever. <laughs> he's very he's very pale. <laughs> so I'm very pale. Um, I got tan a little bit, uh, but that's the first episode of Finding Your Inner Hoot. Thank you, Carrie, for your time. Um, and we'll be playing this song as an outro. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you.